they've been spending so much time and energy making money, like getting Japanese yen. So saying Bitcoin will destroy the fiat system is like denying their whole life. Welcome back to Beyond the Price, the podcast that goes beyond the flashing numbers to explore how Bitcoin fits into the global economy and how real people and real companies are actually using it, especially in Asia. It's a new year and I've got some exciting updates about the podcast. First, I've left CoinPost. Really grateful to them for everything we were able to do together. I wish them the best for the future and I wish myself the best too. Second, that means this podcast is now independent. I've merged it with my Substack, so that's the new hub for this podcast, as well as my writing, which I'll be picking up again. The website is beyondtheprice.substack.com, and you can message me directly at beyondtheprice@substack.com. I know social media is important, especially for a relatively new podcast, but I really hate it. So I might not see your messages on other platforms, but you can always reach me by email. And to my Substack subscribers, welcome to my podcast. To my podcast listeners, welcome to my Substack, yada yada. Third, this means that while I now have more freedom with the pod, I'm also no longer getting paid to make it. I've talked about how Bitcoin conferences are really taking off in Asia, so my hope is to travel to a number of those this year and interview people directly about what they see happening. As Peter McCormick always says, in-person conversations really are way better, but of course that costs a lot more, so it depends how the podcast does. And that's up to you guys. The cool thing about doing a podcast about a borderless, permissionless money is listeners can support from anywhere in the world without any kind of account or bank or exchange fees. For example, you could send me a boost on Fountain. That would be awesome. I'm going to be pushing Fountain more too, I think. They're not a sponsor, but I did interview their co-founder, Nick Malster, a while ago, and they recently released a new version packed with updates. I mean, it's a podcast app that pays you to listen to podcasts. What more could you want? Check it out. You could be earning money listening to me right now. And you could even send a little back my way to help me keep making these and uh, making them better. Okay, enough groveling. Have I missed anything? I'll be doing more written content to accompany the podcasts along with the show notes and transcripts, so subscribe to the Substack if you want more than just this audio. All right, on to today's guest. This is a great one to start the year and a new chapter with because Teruko Neriki was the first Japanese Bitcoiner I became aware of. I hardly knew anyone into Bitcoin around me, and everyone I listened to was in the West and mostly male. Then suddenly here's this Japanese woman who's super into Bitcoin and hardcore against Keynesian economics. She translated the Bitcoin standard into Japanese, which I was excited to ask about because that book was critical in taking me from a casual crypto enthusiast to a fervent Bitcoin advocate. Not to mention it taught me a ton of monetary history and economics. We also talk about how she came into Bitcoin, why Japan needs Bitcoin, why they don't see it, as well as recent tax reforms, some positive, some negative. She tells us about her work for Folger Ventures, a Bitcoin VC company, her project Lost in Bitcoin for newcomers, and her new Japanese podcast with the educational organization My First Bitcoin to bring some much-needed financial education to Japanese listeners. I'm sorry about Teruko's audio, but I hope you stick with it because she really brings a rare and valuable perspective. I promise I'll level up the tech side this year too. Of course, that also costs something. Did I mention listener support? Anyway, let me know what you think. Email me at beyondtheprice@substack.com, and I hope you enjoy. I'm here with Teruko Neriki, translator of the Bitcoin Standard and Japan specialist for Folger Ventures. Teruko, welcome to the show. 
Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for being here. Uh, I was excited to get you on because you're actually maybe the first Japanese Bitcoiner I was aware of uh, a few years ago <laughs> when I uh, when I was into Bitcoin, but I wasn't really going to any meetups or uh, really talking about it with anyone in Japan. I, I didn't know any Japanese Bitcoiners, but I found your Twitter profile and uh, saw you posting in both English and Japanese. And I thought that was really cool. When was it uh, that when like you got in and found me? Um, I first got in around 2017, but I probably found you just okay. a few years ago. Because mm -hmm. there are, um, yeah, there are many before me, you know, Japanese Bitcoiners. I started to like post and then kind of you know, went public around mid 2018, but definitely there are more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I found that out later. And I, I felt kind of silly for um, for not being more aware and also for waiting for so long to uh, go to any meetups, because it was awesome when I started going. Yeah. So how did you first get into Bitcoin? Uh, um, it's typical, like I came for money and the state of revolution. So I, uh, the first time I bought my Bitcoin was back in 2017, the height of oh. the bubble. And then actually two days later, uh, it crashed. Oh, and really? Then, yeah. And then I bought without doing any research. So I didn't know I, what I bought actually back then. So I was so upset, like in two days, my wealth has, you know, um, you know, like half of that value. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. And then I just assumed it was a scam. And then I was telling myself that that's why you should do research before, you know, you get into it. But uh, because the price hike was so big and then I just couldn't be able to just sit and watch and start research. So I just jumped in and bought and then, you know, uh, right. <laughs> so after who, that, huh? who or uh, who uh, inspired you to make that first buy or uh, what? No one. Uh, I was aware of Bitcoin like uh, three or four years already at that point. But, you know, it kept up. Uh, like keep coming back, but you know, I kept turning down as a no, it cannot be a real thing, it must be scam. And then it's just the price movement um finally, you know, convinced me to get in. Yeah, no one really, it's just the price. So I yeah, yeah I can honestly say now number or uh can, you know, recognize it from people. Yeah. I think a lot of people have that experience where they hear about it a few times they yeah first write it off um and then finally they decide okay maybe i can make some money off of this so they yeah. buy it and then it immediately goes down like but ah. what not many people don't do is they actually start studying about it after they got rocket right but uh i had to do it because you know if i didn't Oh, who knows? I might get into the same kind of scam again right and then i didn't want to do that so I started reading about Bitcoin on like literally uh, all the articles or the content I come across, right? And then, of course, most of them are just garbage. It didn't give you any mm. insights or anything. 
until I found um, the bullish case of Bitcoin by Richard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then that was the like moment. And like, maybe, you know, maybe it's something. Maybe it actually um, is something, you know, uh, can be useful. And then, yes, after that, um, so the bullish case for Bitcoin and then April, was it April? Uh, 2018, uh, I started reading the Bitcoin standard. And then, yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, you just go down on the rabbit hole from there. <laughs> Can I ask what your background was before that? Like, did you have some financial understanding? Did you work in finance? No, uh, I mean, um, so I went to business school. I have MBA, so I have a basic uh, understanding of how the traditional finance work. I majored in finance, but I actually never worked in finance. So after the business school, uh, my job, the, my first job was at Sony. I was in product uh, planning and marketing, so it was nothing to do with finance. But I was like investing in like stocks and real estate. Yeah. Okay. You were already doing some investment for yourself. Yeah. So you thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll try out this. Yeah. This yeah. And then before. my parents were like, you know, still are a long time old about. So I kind of, you know, uh, was raised in a family who actually talked about what money is and what the value is or something like that. Yeah. Is that common in Japan? No. Uh, being being into gold? No. Mm, uh, I don't think so. Uh, like you you know like Japanese people don't really think about the future or anything at all. <laughs> they just you know, get by the days, right? They're busy. Mm. <laughs> and we're kind of trained to be like that through the education system. So yeah, I don't think many people actually feel a need to invest, let alone, you know, holding on to gold. So how was your, um, in terms of your, how you thought about Bitcoin, um, how did it progress from uh, first, as like something you thought you might be able to make some um, some yen off mm -hmm. of. Uh, so, uh, like, ever since I was a kid, I was so hopeful of this world, right? The future must be bright. Uh, tomorrow will be better than today. But as I get older and then notice things are not really that way. And then I kept thinking, why though? Like, you know, the world's brightest people are working so hard to solve the problems and then making things better. How can we not have a better, you know, day than yesterday? And then, you know, um, so like at one point, I actually wanted to work for like, you know, um, like IMF, World Bank to um, bring those uh, unprivileged to like improve their lives and stuff like that but obviously it wasn't working and then i couldn't figure out why and then you know the bitcoin standard actually gave me the answer it's the money the foundation of not only the economy but also the society it's broken that's why whatever we do on top of the broken system it cannot be work right it cannot work yeah 
So that's actually still the way I looked at the Bitcoin. I, I mean, it's money. It's uh, it's good money, but I don't see it as an investment. Uh, I see it more as a tool to solve the problems and then you know make our future better. The Bitcoin Standard was also pretty influential for me. That was probably the book that helped me understand why Bitcoin was special compared mm-hmm. to existing assets, but also why it was different than other um, cryptocurrencies. Yeah, but it's not that easy, right? I don't know in your case, but it took me three times to get the gist of it. And then finally, I understood while I was translating. Yeah. You know, even when I was translating, I couldn't like fully understand the context. And then I had to ask like read or other people who are much more familiar with the subject back then. Yeah. How did that come about that you uh, translated the Bitcoin standard into Japanese? So, uh, with uh, CEO of Mentor now, um, he was looking for a publishing company and then translator for years. Oh. And yeah, and then uh, back then, I probably just met him or something, and we started having like hosting uh, meetup together. But he didn't know me that well. And then at a one meetup, um, I presented, and then my topic was like super condensed version of Bitcoin standard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was actually a long topic. Probably it was like an hour presentation. And then, yeah, he saw me presenting that and, you know, uh, yeah. And then after that, you like, would you like to translate um, Bitcoin standard? And I'm like, uh, uh, yes, but <laughs> I don't know if I'm qualified. You know, I've never done translation like professionally and mm. I'm not an economist and I'm a, just a newbie Bitcoiner, like half-baked. So I don't know if I'm the right person, but I would like to give it a try. That's how it started. But then, you know, um, the convincing uh, publishing company was uh, a problem too. It wasn't easy. He, he, at that point, he was already, you know, he already talked to a few companies and then they, none of them were interested. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I guess it was fortunate for us to find, um, finally found Minerva who gave us a shot. So. Minerva? Yeah, Minerva. Okay. I'm so curious how it was uh, translating that book because I, I worked as a translator. Well, I still do some translation mm-hmm. um, f- for a number of years, uh, Japanese to English, not English to Japanese. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, like you said, it's not an easy book, and it's it's a pretty long book as well. Yeah. Um, how long did it take? Uh, you were doing it volunteer, right? Yeah, I mean, we had our contract, but uh, you know, their uh, contract for like translation of the English book, you only get royalty, which is only I think in our case it's seven percent, and which oh, I see. 
movie script between me and the wit. So it's nothing. It's yeah, basically the volunteer job. And yeah, but uh we felt like, you know, it's okay, we will probably lose money, but uh, this is something, you know, Japanese people have to read. Um and then if not us, no one. So we just have to do it. And we did it. Yeah. So um it 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 took me uh six months, but I was lucky because it was during COVID. Um mm. like you know, uh not lockdown, but I didn't have to go to work. Like I didn't right. have to commute. So I had much more free time back then. And yeah, so it wasn't full time, but I was probably spending good like five hours, five, six hours a day just translating. Like mm-hmm. yeah, seven days, yeah, week. So um yeah. And then that book because it was based on Austrian economics, right? So I yeah. so my mission, like personal mission was okay. Whoever picked up this book has to finish it. I don't want anyone to just give up because it's long, because it's you know boring, because it's too difficult, right? So I was particularly um, careful about the ease of read. I mm, don't yeah. want them to be you know I, I don't think I can finish it. So I my goal was everyone who picked up the book has to finish it. They have to finish it. So um, and then I also didn't want to get um, the critics uh, saying that this is inaccurate because this is you know a mistranslation or like yeah. this terminology is not accurate. So that kind of check, like I went to a um, national diet library to see the terminology is correct, but. The thing was, uh, there were not many like Australian economics textbooks in, translated into Japanese. So right. some terminology I actually had to, you know, create a new work in Japanese. So that was definitely a challenge. And then also um, back then my understanding of Bitcoin, um, especially on technological side, was very limited. So um, I wasn't sure if my understanding and my translation is correct. So um, at that site, um, Reed and then other people, you know, who are like devs, they helped me. But uh, yeah, so accuracy and then ease of reading was my uh, big challenge. Yeah, yeah, it's always a huge challenge when translating. Um, it's hard to kind of choose between doing a very direct translation that mm-hmm. sounds a lot like the original, but it, it doesn't really sound like yeah, natural yeah, yeah. language, or to do a more natural translation that is farther away from the original and, and maybe risk yeah. um, risk kind of mistranslating something. Yeah, and then not only like mistranslation, but I wanted to deliver what Safeguin wanted to deliver, right? So I tried to be like him, right? Um, he's very aggressive, even in a book, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> like some sentences I 
had to soften a bit for Japanese audience who yeah. are not really you know used to getting those aggressive words from anyone right so yeah, um, he's pretty anti-government yeah 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 so uh yeah but uh, still i didn't want to lose his anger i wanted mm-hmm. to uh deliver how he feels about the art system and the bitcoin right so uh but one sentence i really had to delete and then i asked him permission towards uh where he talked about maybe it wasn't even in the book it was probably in a footnote or something hmm. uh, where he mentioned uh, like sexual orientation of Keynesian. i thought that do you remember he said i, I don't about, know oh, okay so Keynesian was like um pedophile or like you know homosexual <laughs> and i'm like this is probably you know uh completely irrelevant and <laughs> then omitting this probably won't affect the quality and the quality of yeah. the book so i asked him to um like com- i asked him permission to delete it from japanese translation and he's like yeah sure but it might hinder um like bitcoin adoption japan by like 100 years <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. No, he was kidding, but uh, that oh, okay. was his reaction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe maybe it would be good to kind of uh, overview the Bitcoin standard uh, for people listening who haven't read it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it, it's uh, kind of a history of money, but focusing on the idea that uh, there are certain qualities of money that determine whether it's better or worse as money and over time better forms of money tend to push out worse forms of money. So we, we go from something like uh, shells and beads uh, and types of rocks to, to precious metals, gold. Uh, and then, although gold was um, pretty much the, the superior form of money, it was hard to transport. So uh, they started issuing paper notes backed by gold. And then um, the amount of the percentage backing became less and less as they printed more and more uh, paper money. And now we live in a, a completely paper money system with, with no backing. And then finally, he argues that uh, Bitcoin is uh, the new superior form of money because it has all the traits of gold that we care about, things like scarcity and um, verifiability and uh, um uh, well, it's more portable than gold. Um, it's a digital version. Uh, yeah, so um, an argument for Bitcoin from from uh, a definition of money perspective. Uh, would you would you say that is a fair representation of the book? Yeah, yeah. Up to um, chapter seven, he actually he doesn't talk about Bitcoin. He mentions right. but he doesn't really explain what Bitcoin is. So um, yeah, like 70% of books are all about money and the history of money. But um, well, when you think about it, you have to understand money and the history of money and what the like eternal problem with money was to understand and then appreciate Bitcoin, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's cool that uh i mean not only are you bilingual and you had read the book a number of times but also you had kind of that familiarity with gold from your family 
kind of made you the perfect person to translate the book. Yeah, but you know, before Bitcoin standard, like before Bitcoin, I didn't really appreciate gold at all. I mean, mm. I was like wondering why my parents are hanging on to this rock, which doesn't even generate dividends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, which parts of the book did you think would be particularly relevant for Japan? Which parts were you really excited to to have Japanese people read? Um, yeah, I actually don't know like what Japanese people are you know interested in or what their problem are because um you know I mean we've been in the um yeah deflationary economy for the past thirty years, so holding on to cash actually made sense. So right. digital gold narrative doesn't really work for them, right? Mm. So, but, uh, you know, uh, we are compassionate people. So maybe the human rights aspect. So there is a chapter about how all those wars are financed and then enabled by this fiat system. So, right, governments printing money yeah, to fund the war. Yeah, through inflation, right? But that doesn't really catch on either. Hmm. So I'm still, you know, I still don't know what will trigger Japanese and then, you know, make them uh, slightly interested in and look into it. Because so far, uh, even though that's my job, a Fuluger, but so far, I haven't, you know, um, I don't have any success uh, cases mm. yet. Uh, what kind of feedback have you heard about the book? Do you have people who, who um, say about they the read book. it and it was um, like their first time uh, understanding Bitcoin? Yeah. So sometimes I search like a keyword search on Twitter with uh, Bitcoin standard in Japanese. And then I mm-hmm. see a lot of people, uh, you know, for the first time in their lives, they thought about what is money. And then they kind of came to conclusion, yeah, that's why Bitcoin makes sense. Or like some reviews on Amazon, it's also along the same line. Like they're like, right. wow, yeah, like um, the fiat system is our like slave system. Uh, so people who actually spend time and then read the book, um, some of them can understand uh, why it's important. But still, there are, you know, other people who said, "But uh, doesn't mean you know Bitcoin is the one who will create that role." You know, there are other um, cryptocurrencies which is better and blah blah blah. So. Um, mm. Those people who don't get it. Yeah, other other crypto is very popular in Japan. Yeah. Um, in your in your everyday life, are, do you tend to be surrounded by a lot of Bitcoin enthusiasts, or uh, is it mostly people who aren't aren't into it at all? I uh, yeah, I would say I'm constantly surrounded by Bitcoiners. So oh, I'm really? yeah, I can say I'm pretty much in echo chamber, and sometimes it. <laughs> scary <laughs> i still you know sometimes have like um meet up with my uh 
like play Bitcoin brands. And then, you know, those are people I went to school with. And then I have to like, um, I'm like, wow, we have nothing to talk about. Wow, I'm so far away from them at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's something I've noticed with, uh, like, when you when you change your mind about something or you learn something new in a really significant kind of way, it's it's almost like before it you're your views roughly align with say the people around you and then you get into this thing and it seems like so quickly your your views change to the point where it's hard to relate to the people around you and i i kind of wish it was more gradual or like i wish like in my case a few different things i've i've my thoughts have evolved on over time i wished that i could kind of go back a bit and kind of still like relate to people and be able to explain things in in simple ways because i think say with bitcoin now i mean i'm trying to make this podcast uh approachable friendly appealing to to newcomers but it is hard to step back into that mindset of someone who's who's totally new to bitcoin and, and think like what kind of questions do they have what kind of concerns um it, it seems like so quickly we we fall down the rabbit hole and then we surround ourselves with uh, people who are also into it. And we, we totally lose touch with, with the people that, uh, I mean, we, we want them to also learn about it, but, uh, but it's so quickly becomes hard to relate. Yeah. I think that's their, uh, that's really common problem, right? Um, Cause Koji, it's probably they are one of their, famous Oji in Japan and he keeps being yeah, Koji creating, yeah um, like uh, contents for I don't know how many years like for nearly like 10 years and then he's uh, done a lot but lately not lately like two three years ago he's like I'm so tired of like repeating myself because mm. you know every like four year cycle it's same like new people come and with same questions same parts and then, you know, I can't do this anymore. He was at one point, like, so burnt out. And then back then, I was, like, still, like, you know, new and fresh. I'm like, you can't play it. I have to do this. And we kind of switched, like, and then I watch, uh, I I try to, you know, um, educate people. But it's been five years for me, too. And then now I feel um, like I can understand why he said that before. Because uh, mm. I am tired of repeating myself, and then I can't, you know, um, like um, I can't tell them or like teach them unless they are willing to run. Like it's mm-hmm. just not productive. But then, you know, then nobody does it, especially in Japan. You know, um, just I, I'm sure there are a lot of people who support Bitcoin, but they are not that, Japanese people are not that proactive to begin with. So they wouldn't take actions, like they wouldn't mm. come out and then host meetups or like, you know, say something, it can be controversial on Twitter, um, right? So yeah, I mean, we can't quit, but um, 
it's a constant struggle. <laughs> How about from your perspective, uh, what do you think Bitcoin could do for Japan or for Japanese people? Why why do you think it is important for for people to uh, hear about it? Uh, because we've been abused, like financially abused by the government for so long. We've been having like uh, effectively negative interest rate uh, for a year or two already. And then, you know, um, the, uh, well, their price, if, uh, the past 30 years, we were having price deflation, but along the way, uh, the government and um, Bank of Japan has been printing so much money to support their like economic stimulation plan or um, social security program. So they've been constantly inflating our currency. So even though they're depression or the price deflation, but uh, our asset like you know, wealth has been devalued uh, massively. So I want to know, like I want to, I want the like general public to know what the government has been doing to them. And then at that point, I mean, they can make their own decision. You know, if they still think, you know, holding on to Japanese yen, Japanese bond makes sense to them, you know, be my guest, it's your choice. But at least, you know, know their reality and then make informed decision. Yeah, Japan's a, a strange case it has been for a long time economically speaking because uh people say like oh the economy has been stagnant for something like 30 years now and yet life has never seemed that bad it's, it's <laughs> yeah like a everything works <laughs> living yeah yeah everything works um yeah do you uh, remember yeah, when uh when jimmy song came to the meetup the first thing he yeah. said was, so he's, uh, he was presenting his new book, right? Um, Fiat Ruins Everything. And yes. then before he started, yeah, you know, my book is called The Fiat Ruins Everything, but obviously not Japan. Like, you know, everything <laughs> works in Japan. <laughs> so we actually have our, uh, yeah, like people who come to Japan can't believe we've been in depression like the recession for the past 30 years, right? Everything works and everything is properly clean and the people are, you know, at least on the surface, they look happy, right? So, yeah, it's, um, and then Japanese people believe so too, like they are having a good life. So like bringing out Bitcoin and then telling them how they've been slaved for their entire life actually offend them like you know mm. they get defensive when i said you know bitcoin is the way out from this slavery life and they're like what are you talking about i'm not a slave you know mm. they've been spending so much time and then energy on making money like getting japanese and accumulating it so saying those are like fake money. Bitcoin will destroy the fiat system. It's like, you know, denying their whole life. So it's hard for them to accept. It does kind of feel like we 
turned a corner last year where a lot of these things were under the surface or the, like the statistics were negative, but you weren't really feeling that on the ground. But but last year seeing, well, okay, for me, it's I, I felt it really keenly because I'm kind of operating in both uh, yen and dollars mm-hmm. and that exchange rate just, yeah. just killed me. Yeah. So, so from my perspective, it felt like surely people like, like this is some kind of wake up call yeah. about how messed up our system is where the choices of a few individuals in central banks and in governments can just decimate an mm-hmm. entire nation's currency. Yeah. But then I thought, well, maybe, maybe if people are like, they don't exchange money that often maybe they're still not really thinking about it. I mean, electricity bills have gone up, food uh, is going up a bit, but do you think it it still doesn't really matter to Japanese people? I think, yeah, you are right. So Japanese people don't really, um, like, uh, I think it was in the blog, uh, like study report on the sentiment uh, uh, towards Bitcoin, um, that that people's sentiment towards Bitcoin, and then they surveyed like seventeen, like twenty countries, and then Japan was one of it. And then blog said, uh, uh, sort one factor affecting their sentiment is their remittance, and then those countries who had um like higher number of like higher percentage of people who experience that they have to send money, receive money from outside, they are more accept. Uh, acceptable like they they understand why bitcoin is failure but that stats like japanese people for Jap- uh, japanese case i got only like less than 10 percent of people have experience like sending or receiving money from you know um outside their japan so they don't know how inconvenient it is or uh, now it's impossible to send your money to you know your account in the U.S. bank, or like you know, in my case, like Thailand, like it's my money, but I can't move. Mm. It's you know, it's a infringement of the um, you know, uh, uh, property rights. So, but that's like right. you know, very very small number of people. Japanese people don't have to do it. They and then you know, with weakening yen. Fewer people will go to um, like go and take vacation outside of Japan, so they don't really feel the pain in the first time. And then, yeah, prices are rising. You know, gas price going up, electricity going up, but they don't think deeply enough uh, that a factor, like at least one factor, is uh, like depreciating yen. It makes sense that. Uh people who deal with remittances a lot would understand uh, a borderless money mm-hmm. better. Uh, there's a few different aspects of Bitcoin, I think, uh, are attractive to people. Different countries face different problems, so there's yeah. different different um, aspects of Bitcoin that, that are appealing. For, for some, uh, if, if they are dealing with hyperinflation, then the fact that you can't print more Bitcoin is appealing. Uh, for countries that depend on overseas remittances, the the fact that it's borderless, you can send it permissionlessly uh, with low fees is attractive. Um, 
even uh, maybe merchant adoption in some places, um, seamless payments. Mm. Uh, but I, I do always wonder what is the thing that that would jump out to Japanese people. Uh, recently, I was thinking maybe this is kind of a zany idea, but mm -hmm. Japan is very dependent on importing its energy. But mm -hmm. I found out recently that Japan actually has a lot of geothermal yeah. reserves. But they are sitting um, in the middle of the national parks. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's if, not easy to develop it. Yeah, yeah. Regulations mm -hmm. and uh, sentiment would have to change. But I wonder, since we've seen a lot of cases of Bitcoin making new energy projects much more profitable, much more attractive as yeah. investments, I wonder... If, if those could be combined in some way. Yeah. Now, I know there hasn't been much Bitcoin mining up until now in Japan because the price of power is so expensive, but I wonder if if it could be combined with native resources to uh, to help Japan and also boost the profile of Bitcoin here. Yeah, but uh, I think for the population to kind of get into Bitcoin, the like um, market sentiment has to change. Like mm. still many Japanese see Bitcoin as a scam, right? So, um, and then actually the largest um, energy company in Japan, Tepco, uh, yeah. through their subsidiary, they started mining using uh, some renewable energy. Was it uh, like ocean or something? Uh, it wasn't. Oh, really? Yeah, it wasn't like uh, they have to import um energy resource and then do it. It was something they already had and they just want to uh, monetize quickly. So they uh, included Bitcoin mining as a way to facilitate that. But <laughs> their um, like press uh, release, it was almost funny. Like if I or like you read it, you, we know they are specifically talking about Bitcoin mining. But they somehow get around it, like not using the word Bitcoin or like even uh, mining. Yeah, they said data center, like crypto uh, assets or something like that. So I guess not many people realize they are mining Bitcoin, but they are. I, I kind of um, I kind of see the argument for that. Well, I don't know what they were thinking, but uh, I'm, I'm not entirely opposed to the idea of, of kind of using the word Bitcoin less because people have such polarized and, and in many cases wrong opinions about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. uh, if we just, and ultimately I think we kind of expect the world to get to a point where it's just, it's just money. Yeah. It's just considered money uh, transfer of value. In many cases it's running behind applications beneath, um, beneath the surface facilitating um, better transactions. So, uh, yeah, maybe maybe the way forward is to is to present it in a different light and and not even use the term Bitcoin if necessary. I don't know. I mean, uh, to me at this point, uh, like I'm so pessimistic, so I feel like you know it has to be gaiatsu, like pressure from the US or the rest of the world. They moved on to Bitcoin, and then you know Japan kind of has no way. No other way to adapt. I do think that, uh, well, for example, the governor of Tokyo uh, a few years ago, well, um, I think maybe every governor of Tokyo has said this, but they want to make Tokyo a financial yeah. hub <laughs> in Asia. 
And I've always thought like they're gonna have to embrace Bitcoin. Uh, well, they're they're kind of embracing Web three maybe with that with that goal, but they're gonna have to embrace Bitcoin to make that a reality because they're not gonna overtake Singapore and oh no way on, on otherwise like they have um, to um they have to improve their um like they have to increase people who speaks English and then they have to mm. reform tax tax is a cancer. Yeah, there was, so I've been hearing about tax reforms for a while, but there was, which I, I thought were moving in a positive direction, but then there was some news recently that was pretty negative, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, there are a few topics, like a few days ago, like, uh, was it yesterday? Um, so the government is actually looking into change their tax law for population who's holding on to like a crypto. So right now, at the end of the fiscal year, they have to mark up to the market and then pay unrealized gain, tax, tax, tax on unrealized gain, right? So um, for right. companies, it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to have Bitcoin on their balance sheet because it's, uh, it's going to be taxed. Right, uh, even if they don't the, sell it. Yeah, so that might change next year, but oh. then, yeah. Then the, the like for individuals, uh, it's just so complicated. Even you know when you sell, when you spend, you have to report, and it's part of your income, like taxable income. And then the way you get average acquisition cost, it's so cumbersome. And then mm. you know, yeah. And then yes, it's just so time consuming and then it's just looking at it makes you tired <laughs> so you don't want to you know incur those like trigger those taxable events um yeah. as uh, individuals and then also uh yeah was it last week um i created about the inheritance tax for bitcoin can be as high as 110 percent 110 percent yeah it's not accurate i knew it wasn't accurate but I, you know i only had 140 uh, characters limit so i had to kind of you know, deliver the essence right so it's a uh, and the highest uh rate for the inheritance tax is 55 and then uh the other 55 is for their um income tax but in Japan, usually when you hold equity or like uh, gold or other like real estate or other types of assets, when you die, your kids will um, inherit and then they have to pay inheritance tax up to 55%. And wow. that time, if your kids don't have enough cash to pay tax, a lot of people will just have to sell part of or all of their inheritance, right? So mm. in that case, like within three years, if they sell whatever they inheritance, inheritance, their um, inheritance tax can be a part of acquisition cost. So you can deduct, but that doesn't apply to Bitcoin. So if oh. you only leave Bitcoin to your kids, and then if it's a significant amount, and then they have to sell uh, Bitcoin to pay tax, then they will also have to pay um, income tax. And then your know, acquisition cost will be just, you know, you inherit it from the deceased period. So it's a double taxation. Right, yeah. right. Okay, I see. I haven't thought about 
this uh, in a while, but I, I do kind of have mixed feelings about inheritance tax, because on the one hand, it it feels unfair um, to have to give up so much of of what you worked hard over your life to accumulate and what you want to pass on to your children. On the other hand, um, it it is like the way that dynasties uh, come to exist and, and you have people who are starting their lives so far ahead of other people. Uh, I do like the idea that everyone kind of starts around the same place. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a um, yeah, free market, the capitalism, right? Whoever tried yeah. hard and then make uh, like provide all the values should get rewarded much bigger than the people who didn't. And then, you know, uh, if you have more than enough to spend uh, before you die, and then you all also want to leave. Um, like you also want the best for your kids, so it's natural. So um, I mean, if you if it's like that, hundred and tax inheritance tax, then like why do I even you know bother to work? Like why do right. I even try, right? Yeah, and even um, even if you think like yeah, uh, kids should not be getting everything handed to them on a silver platter. I I it also doesn't mean that that money should go to the government. I mean, they're... yeah, and then it's also, I mean, we have to separate the problems. Like, if that's one, it's because inheritance will last on them because they are already not only like fortunate with a wealth, but they probably are pretty close to the authorities, right? Government and then all those in a circle. So they are country, um, they can get country and flat. Like, they are already in that position. So right. Bitcoin, you know, which can remove that um, that growing capitalism would probably, you know, solve this problem a little bit. So it's not right. going to be as close up now. So. Is that uh, a problem in Japan, crony capitalism? I don't, I definitely don't pay as much attention to Japanese politics as I should. I would say yes. So, um, so right now, because people are suffering from high, like I wouldn't say high, but that inflation, like people are finally starting to feel pain, and then those mm-hmm. pain will um, become anger, and then an anger will be uh, kind of head toward the government. So um, people started complaining about inflation, and then government has to do something, and then I mean they can just um, cut that tax right they can lower the tax so that people actually have more money at hand to spend but instead they will keep the tax as it is and then you know redistribute uh, mm. some kind of subsidiary but that's like that's like you know it's not like they take your money and then redistribute like directly there will be like third parties which will capture most of the values. So right. I would say these like middle layer companies or like individuals are yeah benefiting from the phone efforts in Japan at least. Yeah, I do remember during COVID hearing about some big government contracts that went to big companies that in turn passed it off to other companies, but they took a took a cut of it just as a 
finder's fee, I guess. And then yeah. the, the other companies did the job in a really inefficient and uh, money-wasting kind of way. Yeah, in every aspect, they do that. So, hmm. you know, why can't we just keep our money and then decide how to spend? Hmm. You mentioned that uh, Koji was feeling some burnout. Uh, maybe you were feeling some burnout now. I spoke with him recently, and mm-hmm. it seemed like maybe he's kind of um, yeah, he's getting refreshed. re-energized. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was wondering if, if you feel that way. And, uh, well, yeah, do you, do you also feel re-energized or uh, still pretty tired of uh, like, fighting the um... battle for so long? Yeah, I wouldn't fight about, you know, I wouldn't dispute with people over Twitter anymore, like, or mm. in real life. Like, I can't care less. Like, if you just want to be wrong, just be wrong, right? It's not my duty. <laughs> and I don't care if you just stay poor. <laughs> so I wouldn't do that anymore. I used to do it, but I don't do mm. it anymore. And then I don't think I would do it again. But uh, um, I definitely want to see more adaption, especially uh, among young people who's not mm. being poisoned by this system badly enough. So yeah, I want to onboard new kinds of segment, like you know, student, like uh, college student, high school student, or even the like junior high schoolers. Um, yeah. So yeah, I will continue to create new contents and then I will talk to them uh, you know, directly, but not with people who are already um, invested so much in this fiat system or uh, somebody who have a hidden agenda, maybe, you know, like mm. crypto investors or something like that. Yeah, mm. so I'm like, yeah, I can't be bothered. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of creating new content, I'd love to hear what you're involved with now. Um, are you are you doing any new translations? Uh, so, yes, right now I'm finishing off a uh, Japanese translation of the new book. It's not new book, but um, uh, check your financial privilege, uh, which has been out. Right, like, by we, Alex Gladstein. Yeah, Alex Gladstein. That's been out for almost like two years, I think a year mm. two years already but uh, i'm just finishing it up and then hopefully it will get to uh the market like hit the market around april even next year so oh, wow. yeah yeah so that's currently the book i'm working on then after that i have the fiat standard which is like overdue also <laughs> right yeah yeah safe safety safety in second yeah, so book. The book. yeah but uh yeah, that would probably be the last book I would translate. Someone has to, you know, take over my role. And so, you know, I'm done. It's just, <laughs> I mean, it's good. And it's a really good learning experience. So if you are new, especially you should definitely do it. It's like a mm. volunteer work, but uh, you will get a lot out of it. And you will make, you know, like connections and then you get meet these people. Um, so it's a definitely rewarding experience. So, um, yeah, you should do it. But for me, it's just so time consuming. And then, yeah, you know, I only have 24 hours like you. So I 
I can't do this uh, anymore. I want to concentrate on my like you know proper job, which is also you know Bitcoin education, <laughs> but not like uh, only limited to book translation. So for yeah. like uh, my uh, so my day day job or like my full time job with Burger, um my main task is um, basically to develop Bitcoin market. Uh, in Japan, so that our portfolio company can come in and then you know um, start business in Japan too, and then also uh, to uh, have more Bitcoin-only companies in Japan, so we can invest in them. So, but we haven't reached that level yet. So, um, mm-hmm. I'm still working on like creating educational contents. Um, to make like uh, general public aware of what Bitcoin needs. Okay, so you, you work for Fulger Ventures, uh, which is a, a company that a, a VC yeah. firm, is that right? Yeah. That invests in Bitcoin only companies, mm-hmm. and your job is to help them help those uh, portfolio companies expand into Japan as yeah. well. Um, yeah. Uh, as you said, there's very few Bitcoin companies in Japan at this point. But what what is Folger's Japan connection? Because they have the main Folger Ventures, and then and then so Folger main Folger Ventures, Japan, Ventures right? are like registered in the U.S. But their yeah. um, key players are now based in like Lugano, Switzerland, or like Milan, Italy. So it's uh, they yeah, most of them are in uh, Europe. And then, like I said, look at Japan, but it's basically only me and then CEO. And the CEO is actually working on uh, bringing Bitfinex into Japan. So he's been... Bitfinex. Yeah, so he's and spending... And Tether? Tether, yeah. Well, Tether, I mean, you know, regulation has to change, so uh, we can't say. But uh, yeah, uh, Bitfinex Japan... Uh, yeah, hopefully next year we can get license and then Bitfinex can come. So he's uh, spending most of the time uh, dealing with FSA uh, to get the license right now. So it's basically just me doing education in Japan. And then recently, like this year, um, I moved to Thailand. So now I'm kind of slowly finding out what's going on in Southeast Asia. So um, it's actually a lot more promising than Japan. So maybe, Mm. uh, you know, from now on, uh, my uh, primary focus still is Japan, but I can probably expand, uh, like, uh, like keep out for more like Asian projects, uh, like Southeast Asia, especially. So are you kind of pivoting from Japan to uh, other parts of Asia? I mean, I will still uh, um, spend a good amount of time educating Japanese people, but uh, I also want to uh, spend uh, more time like learning what's happening in uh, Southeast Asia. But it's different from Japan, like Thailand. Uh, People are actually, um, you know, different. They are not so 
uh, like compliance and compliance, they don't trust the government. Mm. And then Bitcoin, like Thai Bitcoiners are, uh, yeah, a lot more than you know Japanese Bitcoiners, and then they are willing and they eager to learn about Bitcoin. So their adoption probably happened quickly. Um, yeah, like faster than Japan for sure. And then Indonesia is also a different case. They have so much natural resources. The mining can be, mm. you know, their um, major um, industry. And then, yeah, there are people and the teams working towards that, like in Thailand too. And some interesting companies in Vietnam too. So lots happening in Asia, but I don't know because of the language barrier or because of what, I don't know what. Um, like in Bitcoin scene, Asians, like um, it's not that visible. Like not many people are aware or like, interested in what's happening in Asia. Um, mm. Not only like, you know, Bitcoin core, like Lightning Protocol development, but also like application layers too. But um, there are, you know, um, people who are working on interesting stuff. So um, if they want to, you know, Great, then you know, uh, we want to help. Yeah, through this podcast, I mean, my goal is to focus on Bitcoin in Asia, and I've I've been able to speak with uh, people located throughout the continent, and uh, I I had no idea there was so much going on with Bitcoin in Asia. So many uh, conferences popping up recently, and um, companies that are are based in uh, some of the countries you mentioned. Yeah, uh, it's great to see. Mm-hmm. For Japan, what do you think the main barrier is to having more Bitcoin companies in Japan? Is it is it just that there's not that many people interested, so there's not a market for it, or is it uh, regulatory barriers? I think it's regulatory so far. There oh, really? has to be regulation. It's so um, like it's um, it's yeah, complex cost is too high, and then also mm-hmm. the tax. Uh, like if you're Bitcoiners, um, yeah, you don't like you know, uh, max 50% like cap game tax, right? Right. Yeah. And um, also language barrier, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the, all the paperwork we have to go through. Right, right. A lot of hoops to jump through. Mm-hmm. Um, I meant to ask, why did you choose Check Your Financial Privilege as the the next book that you translated? Oh, um, because, uh, yeah, I'm... A big fan of the kids like Alex work. I've been following him for a long time, and then I did translate his first book, the Little Bitcoin book, which hmm. is a uh, very you know uh, it's short and light. It's a good introductory book, and then that book actually is probably more accepted by Japanese than the Bitcoin standard because it's just easy right. to read and then it's easy to comprehend too, right? It's something, uh, you know, the Bitcoin world is helping, um, like solving human rights issues. That's straightforward, nothing offensive. So, um, yeah, and then I read uh, Secure Financial Privilege. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's along the line, but it goes much deeper into it. And then before I let that book, I knew, like, I've heard of the word, like, you know, um, petrol zeros, like, 
petrodollars, um, yeah. Petrodollars or like what it's CFA, uh, like Central Africa franc. Oh yeah, the that yeah. currency that yeah. is based on the French currency, mm -hmm. and a bunch of African countries yeah. still use it, and yeah. they have to hold some amount of their reserves in France. Yeah, fifty percent uh, to France, and then France it's printing their money, and then they get in right. blah blah blah. It's basically um colonial still going. Yeah, on yeah, this weird. Yeah, weird so holdover from colonialism. Yeah, so that's like wow, really. So, um, yeah, I wanted to, uh, through this book, I wanted like Japanese people to know uh, it's not in the past, it's still going on. Hmm. And then, yeah, it's just a, a bigger scale, right? You have to know what's going on around the world, but we are basically, you know, controlled by the USD, which, you know, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's complicated, but, um, Unless you understand how things work, you can never solve your problem. But it, yeah. you think like you are solving problem, but the, what you are doing is such on you know surface level, like it doesn't really matter, or like you are doing something completely wrong. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I know Japanese do care about human rights. Mm -hmm. um, they they seem to care about international society uh kind of a community of nations mm -hmm. and um having a positive role on the global stage so yeah i think um i, I could see it being a, a book that that is uh pretty interesting for a lot of japanese yeah and then until now like until bitcoin i mean okay the problem there but how can we solve like nothing right there was no like tools there are no solution, but now we actually have possibility, then why don't we try, you know, and see how it works. Yeah. yeah. Okay, how about, uh, tell me about another project you're involved with, Lost in Bitcoin. Mm. So Lost in Bitcoin's been up for almost a year and a half, two years. It's a, a resource, um, it's a collection of educational resource. And then, <laughs> But uh, to me, it feels like now, um, okay, so the first um, objective, like goal was through that site, uh, non-Bitcoiner can find uh, Bitcoin in their own way. Like I categorize Bitcoin into like several um, groups. Like if you are interested in economics and money, you start here. If you are more like tech side, you go here, blah, blah, blah. But um, like to uh, to my boss and then also like many people, that site now it's more for like Bitcoiners to entertain themselves. It's not mm. like movie friendly to begin with because the you know I'm creating, so I get to decide what content's going right. So um, yeah, I have to admit that it's not. It might not be for newbies, but there are some articles and then videos, um, which is for like non-Bitcoiners, but it's just so much contents, like so many contents crammed into one site right now. It's hard to navigate. So I have to uh, maybe um, reorganize a little bit for non-Bitcoiners to find a way easier 
So uh, uh, yeah, one way of doing it. It's um, so next year, uh, Daniel and I plan to launch a new podcast series, which yeah. is targeted towards non-Bitcoiners, and then we at least first few episodes we don't talk about Bitcoin. So the podcast is based on the textbook created by my first Bitcoin. You know the project in El Salvador? They yeah, educational a, project. Yeah, diploma program. So uh, they have a textbook, it's open source in GitHub. And then we are waiting for the latest, latest version uh, to be translated into Japanese. But uh, it's, so their diploma program is like they have to actually physically attend a course and then it's like six weeks or yeah right. it's yeah like you have to invest time so for japanese who are not even japanese uh, who are not even bitcoiners i don't think it will work so i am making um a podcast based on this uh textbook the podcast is you know easy to listen it's just 15 minutes per episode and then uh. yeah not to overwhelm uh people yeah so hopefully uh for someone who's just looking for some um like tips on how to save money or stuff like that hmm. can just listen to it and then gradually find out about bitcoin is that in japanese yeah it's gonna be in japanese yeah it has uh. to be in japanese. yeah yeah there's a real lack of um Japanese Bitcoin podcasts for sure, but even just Japanese podcasts, is that because Japanese people aren't really into podcasts? I don't know what Japanese people are doing, but uh, <laughs> I'm assuming uh, so by making it into a podcast, it's just you can't because, you know, if it's the article, people will say oh, it's too long and then if it's mm. the video, I can't, you know, what's in like train if it's so crowded blah 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 and the podcast you don't really have an excuse right it's 15 <laughs> minutes and you just have to stick speakers in your ears so, I mean, yeah. if you can't even do that i don't know how to help you <laughs> yeah yeah that's great that's great uh do you have a name for the podcast yet uh it's tentative but uh i think we have decided and then the title is um, so uh, it's literally translated what is financial freedom ah yeah oh, that's a great name mm -hmm. uh, attention grabbing and uh, yeah hopefully hopefully it really yeah hopefully it catch on yeah uh, when did you say it's launching uh, planning sometime in January so next month okay coming up mm -hmm. Um, well, we, uh, we just passed the hour. Actually, we passed the hour a little while ago. Um, is there anything, uh, I haven't asked you about that you wanted to, wanted to talk about? Mm, no, I think we covered pretty much everything. Okay. Mm -hmm. I have, I have one more question. Okay. Um, I go to these meetups. It's a bunch of guys, <laughs> uh, whether it's, God, whether it's you expats, know this. <laughs> Whether it's the, the more expat group or the more Japanese group, 
Um, <laughs> well, actually, at, at Diamond Hands' uh, lightning flea market, th- there were some women there, I noticed. Mm. Um, but generally, the ratio at these events is, is just awful. Yeah, especially for the one I co-host with, with right? It's a Tokyo Bitcoin Hackers meetup. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm glad really you noticed because usually we have like 30, 40 people and then I'm the only women and then <laughs> I'm probably only like Japanese, right? And then yeah. everybody else is like guys, um, the experts who happen to be like living in Tokyo. So um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that meetup, although that meetup, we actually intentionally make it um, like not compromising for newbies because we tried it before. Like we tried make it newbie friendly, but nobody came. So I'm like, and then mm. I tried it to have like separate like Japanese speaking uh, meetups, and nobody came. Mm-hmm. Not many people came anyway. Mm. Um, I mean, in the past, you know, women came, but they usually don't come back. So I don't know. Yeah. Is it? too intimidating is it too um technical i really don't know but uh i mean it's a good meetup we have like two three really high level tech talk right and then people learn a lot so i don't know if it's actually worth sacrificing that quality for quantity so i think that meetup can be that way but uh, yeah, like you said, Diamond Hands, uh, Koji is trying to um, make it more like Japanese, like movie friendly. So yeah, that one can be maybe more catering for yeah, those needs. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to to know exactly what to do. I mean, you know, I don't want to push anything on on people who aren't interested or don't need it but uh the the problems that we've uh that we've mentioned Mm -hmm. are fairly universal um i think uh yeah maybe we just need to experiment with uh some different types of messaging Mm. to uh to communicate to a a wider uh, or different types of people yeah or we just have to wait for the price pump because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that will bring yeah, that... in a lot of new people, and then yeah, maybe true. 0.1% might stick around for the next bear market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always trying to uh, communicate um, the 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 appeals that I see in Bitcoin in in easy to understand ways, but it's hard to deny that at the end of the day pretty much everyone comes in because they think they can make some money off of it. And, and then a few people, a, a small percentage always goes deeper than that. Yeah. So maybe, uh, maybe it's well, maybe like after no 10, more, 10 more cycles, <laughs> we own both hundred people. <laughs> yeah. 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 Japan is, Japan is uh, particularly uh, tough. Yeah. Tough ground. Um, well, yeah, Teruko, thank you so much for your time. Where would you like to, to send people? Uh, you mentioned a few things you're involved in, but could you just run through again the, the things you're involved with, the, the things that Okay, so for out? people who want to learn about Bitcoin, go to uh, lostinbitcoin.jp. 
and then uh, Full Girl Ventures Japan has their own uh, Twitter account, and then I also have a personal account that specifically like mostly talk about uh, Bitcoin. And yeah, and then Confu Bitcoin Meetup, uh, it's on Meetup app or page called um, Tokyo Bitcoin Hackers Meetup or Tokyo Bitcoin Bank Yokai. And then Diamond Hands, um, they have a Telegram group and then they have a um, yeah, wiki and then also the event page on Compass. And I'll put links to all of that in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you. Teruko, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me. What's fun. Okay, what'd you think of that? Honestly, my biggest takeaway was that Japanese Bitcoiners are tired. Tired of passionately explaining something for years and seeing so little adoption or even understanding. Having worked in the industry for a little over a year now, I can certainly relate. Generally, people come to crypto either interested in money or interested in tech, but because the short-term gains are sometimes greater with other coins, the money people ignore Bitcoin. And because other projects are more like fintech and easier to grasp, the tech people ignore Bitcoin too. But every cycle, a tiny percentage stick around and see the promise in Bitcoin specifically. I'm not exactly sure what the common denominator is for us, but I think a big part is how much of a problem you see in the current financial system, the current global economy. Like, how big a problem is it that an entire nation's money is controlled by a small group of often unelected officials? How big a problem is it that one currency every country in the world has to use to trade with each other is controlled by one country, and again, a small group of mostly unelected officials inside that country's government. How significant is a money that isn't controlled by any one group of people and is equally available to everyone in the world? To be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if Japan is one of the last countries to grok Bitcoin, not because they're incapable of it, but because Japan has done pretty well in the current system. It's definitely near the top in terms of standard of living, and a system's winners aren't the ones who want to see the system change. In most cases, I don't think it's a conscious choice, but it is a subconscious bias against disruption. That said, a lot of Japanese people aren't doing great, and things are getting worse, especially when you compare wages and purchasing power on a global scale, so we might see some growing interest in alternatives. I hope we also see some young Japanese Bitcoiners pick up the baton. Lots to talk about this year, so follow the show if you don't want to miss an episode, subscribe to the Substack, and if you'd like to help me out, a boost on Fountain, a rating or review elsewhere, or sharing this episode with a friend would really go a long way. In any case, let me know what you thought. Thank you so much for listening, and talk to you again soon. <laughs>